Welcome to Freedom from Attachment, Living Fulfilled, Happy, and in Love, with your host, author, entrepreneur, and behavioral relationship expert, Tracy Crossley. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to share some comments from some of Tracy's clients that have worked with her in both group coaching situations and one-on-one coaching. And to reach out to Tracy for a discovery session, please email her at happiness at tracycrossley.com. That's happiness at tracycrossley.com. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. My aunt had told me about Tracy's podcast deal with it over a year ago. I've been listening to it ever since. So after my last breakup, I said, that's it, and decided to take the leap of faith and do coaching with Tracy. Tracy helps you break through and question your feelings and emotions and get to the root cause of those. I'm thankful for all that I have realized about myself, thanks to her. If you are noticing that you keep attracting the same type of relationships and you just can't figure out why, it's time to figure it out. Tracy will help you get there. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Freedom from Attachment. I was at the dentist earlier today. Yep, having to get an implant done. So uh, yeah, that's that's a good time. So I might be a little numb and sound a little funny when I'm talking today, but I wanted to get this podcast done for you guys because it's an extra special topic, just like everything else I do, right? I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking like, what in the heck can I do that would be really helpful? So this is episode 688. I'm not sure. I I mean, I say that, but once it's out of my hands, as far as I've recorded, I don't know what happens to it. So it could be any number. It could be 1,050 or something like that, but I don't think so. Anyway, all right. So what don't avoidance and anxious avoidance know? And of course, I take this from clients and I take it from my own life and I take it from hmm, pretty much everybody I ever hear from. So you're looking for a unicorn and it doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or not. It really doesn't because you're still going to look for a unicorn. Even if you thought you married a unicorn, you may still feel like another unicorn is out there or, or the ultimate unicorn is out there. Okay. So what ends up happening, though, is we can get hooked on someone. And of course, if you're the more anxious of the avoidant style, okay, uh, when you do, you're going to make them special. You know, we make unicorns special because they don't really exist. Uh, You know, the human being you're meeting, they may check all the boxes, but sooner or later, they're going to be a human being and you're going to be like, oh, my God, this is a human being. This isn't even what I thought it was going to be at all. So with that said. We, we tend to give these special features and, you know, when you're the more avoidant one, you're not necessarily doing that. What you're trying to do is figure out why you're afraid. If you're figuring it out at all, you might just run uh, because there's a fear of getting hurt and you want a unicorn because you hope the unicorn isn't going to hurt you. And the moment that the other person has a sign of being a human, which means They're probably getting anxious because they're probably getting your indecision or your backing off, right? And the minute that that happens, it's like a switch. And then all of a sudden, this person that you were thinking was great, it's not that you don't think they're great. It's that you're afraid and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to make the wrong choice. This isn't isn't that person, you know? And you may not consciously even have that conversation. A lot of times we are unconscious to the conversation. So what... Am I going to be talking about here? 
well, you know, unicorn in a dream is different than a human in reality. So I looked for a unicorn. Oh, yes, I did. That mystical, magical person who would provide me with a heightened sense of relationship. You know, one where everything seemed to be amazing. Yeah, that all the time. Who the hell has a relationship that's amazing all the time? I have a relationship that's good all the time, but amazing. That would mean that there's no moments that are more, let's say, exciting, right? Like, hey, we're traveling somewhere, you know, like something like that, like fun. Okay. But how we get along, it's great. It's good. I'm not looking for a fucking unicorn because a unicorn means I'm in pain. If you're looking for a unicorn, you're in pain. You're a person in pain. Okay. It just is that way. And I'm not trying to, you know, shake my finger at you. I'm trying to, if I can do anything, wake you up because you want to have a happy, healthy relationship. We all do. We all do no matter what we do to sabotage it. Okay. So, you know, the feeling of physical connection I thought was meaningful, but really it was a dream of it rather than the reality I was invested in. Like those heightened feelings, you know, like the physical attraction, the physical connection. Like I thought that somehow would carry over and then a relationship would never be boring or humdrum or mundane, right? But life can be mundane and it is up to each of us to make life what we want it to be without it involving someone else to do that job for us. But when you're looking for a unicorn, you're looking for that. So none of us, of course, um, got any form of loving attention consistently. And for some of you guys listening, I know you got none at all. But it was the inconsistency, right? And so having any avoidancy in you means there was inconsistency in what you received. It just goes hand in hand. So it what's it's what keeps you looking for a unicorn, you know, until we do some of the inner work. What it means is the attributes that turn you on in someone else and make you feel worthy for a moment, those don't hurt you. They don't cause you to second guess. And it's because of the precarious state of excitement that they bring about. You yearn for it. But then, let's say, your more avoidant cohort seems to want more of you. Oh, right? We hate when that happens. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I just remember the old days of, oh, what? I've been working so hard and I'm so used to being the one who's doing everything. What? You want to do something? Oh, you want to get closer to me? Oh, hmm. You know, I never noticed that you had a wart, you know, on the middle of your forehead that's four inches big that you actually look like a unicorn. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But literally, all of a sudden, everything that could be wrong with that person, you notice and you didn't notice it before. If you did notice it before, you didn't care because you were so attached and that's the funniest part of it is when they start to show you that they like you. Of course, you don't like you. You may not actually admit that to yourself. But if you're in this category, there is a state of lack, folks, that you are trying to fill up with something that isn't real. So when that happens, you really have to look at what is it that I'm doing here? I'm looking for something that doesn't exist because I'm afraid of getting hurt because I have a state of lack inside that says I'm going to choose wrong and I don't value myself. So what you might also think is, well, it's okay for now. I think it's okay for now. I'm going to like them for now. I used to say this all the time. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do this for now because this is something fun to do. This is something that's a distraction. This is something that makes my life less boring, whatever. I would just tell myself all these stupid stories. And they were stupid because I never thought them out. They were just a reaction 
to having somebody I thought might be a unicorn for me. But in reality, like I said, I'd just be on to the next one. Or it would end up imploding in some other fashion. But the unicorn is a fairy tale. And if you walk down the aisle, you may not be fully committed. If you are an anxious avoidant or an avoidant, you might not be. And you might think it's okay. And maybe you think, well, I'll be married for a while. And maybe this person will grow on me. Maybe I'll get closer. But usually what ends up happening is you live two separate lives. And then maybe you complain about that. And that just makes you look for another unicorn somewhere. You know, you're needing that attention from somebody, right? For a lot of avoidance, we just shut down and we don't need anybody. Oh, forget it. I don't need anybody. And then once in a while, you get that sense of loneliness and feel like, oh, shit, I do need somebody. So it's kind of uh, what I like to say precarious. You know, it really is. And this is not about love. This is about not having self-worth. It's about remaining a victim and being chosen to have a perfect love. I have to have the perfect love like in the movies. Well, in the movies, that's also a joke because that's rarely anything that resembles a normal relationship. Women aren't seen as, you know, how they really are. We're a caricature. Men are caricatures too, frankly, in movies. So, you know, because it's the plot that's driving it. If you don't have any kind of drama, then people aren't going to pay attention is the, the, what they look for. So they got to make it engaging, right? So victimhood then looks good on people in the movies or in a fairy tale, right? Snow White was a great victim. You know, all of them were. And we, on some level, think that there is this thing that exists that's going to finally validate us. When you find the unicorn, there's your validation. But validation doesn't last. And if somebody was validating you, that's a unicorn. I'm telling you, you would find something wrong with them and walk away from that unicorn. It's really scary how we like to keep our pain alive, but we do. And what do avoidance try to avoid? They try to avoid pain, but yet you create it by going on this, you know, wild goose chase that you're never going to find even a wild goose. Okay. You're going to find, <laughs> you're not going to find mystical, magical, uh, things like unicorns either. It is sad and you should mourn it. <laughs> you know, I had to, uh, you don't have to mourn it. I'm just kidding. But literally I had to get real. I kept asking for certain things and I kept thinking like the person I was with had those things. And this is, I don't know, God, how many years ago, 10 years ago, you know, and had those things and they didn't have those things they were kind of like a make-believe version. And I remember, this is a little out of context to the podcast, but I wrote a list. And what was funny is I thought he was a kind person. And I thought that, you know, there was other attributes that he had. And when I, I found the list when I was moving in with my husband, and I was laughing going, this is such a funny list because I made it based off of this other dude. But when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, my husband kind of checks all these boxes on here, right? With all the crazy, without all the unicornish kind of crap I was looking for. Because at that point, I wasn't looking for a unicorn. I was looking for stability. I was like, I cannot do another one of these attached relationships. I would rather be single the rest of my life than go through that hell again. I had had enough of them, folks. I had, if you don't know, and you're just tuning in, I had several <laughs> insecurely attached relationships, several. All right. Why does this matter? I've seen it over and over where the idea that a unicorn exists, someone who's not going to upset you that you will be attracted to, and they'll like you in return all the time. And you'll have this deep 
sexual connection with them. Where does this person exist on the planet? They don't. You do not have to settle though. But unless it's pie in the sky, you know, sort of unicorn crap, you may believe you're settling for less when it's not a fairy tale. No, what you're looking for is something that doesn't exist. So when you understand that it doesn't exist, meaning this literally heightened emotional state of dreamy, like walking on clouds, you know, that whole thing for the rest of your life, you're not going to have that because you have to love you to even walk on clouds in reality. And walking on clouds in reality is such a different feeling than this kind of thing, because the fairy tale always ends, right? And what we don't look at is we're trying to create something that's unrealistic because of where we are, because we're not there yet. So you have to look at where you are making this into something of, I don't want to settle. I'm afraid to settle. Don't worry about settling. Okay. Look at, I was going to say worry about, but don't worry about anything, but look at yourself. Always look at yourself. Am I loving myself? Right. And that's why this matters. It matters because you got to love yourself to have what you want because what you want is going to change. You're not looking for someone to fill you up at that point. You're looking for somebody who can be an actual partner. Okay. Another reason why this matters. Wanting the fairy tale is disappointing. You have to be your own hero, not a victim. And a fairy tale shows that it's the other person who's in charge of you. You're just the recipient. Or if you are more avoidant, it shows that you're the villain who needs to become the rescuer, right? It's skewed and healthy, long-lasting relationships don't work this way. They just don't. Again, another reason it matters. You will stay searching your entire life. If you are with someone you think is a unicorn, you will always look for someone else. Why? Because there's got to be a better unicorn out there because your feelings haven't changed. Your feelings still feel the same. So that's what I'm saying. Like you can walk down the aisle and you may still feel this emptiness and this shittiness and you think it's just because you haven't met that right person yet. I had to mourn this, people, okay? I had to mourn the whole idea that the gift of love and the gift of me feeling good and the gift of happiness existed in another person as though they needed to give it to me. I had to mourn that because I had to stop looking at, oh, I wonder if that guy would be this or that guy would be that. Like I did this shit all the time. And I had to come to, it was disappointing. It really was. The idea that, oh, you know what, Tracy? None of that exists in anybody. You got to love you, you know, like you've got to say, okay to you, you've got to realize that those longing feelings have to be taken care of by you because nobody, nobody, my husband doesn't carry, you know, the, uh, the way of filling me up unless I'm filling me up. And then he's like icing on the cake, but you literally are not looking outside yourself for the gift of somebody to fill that space. It will never happen because it's impossible. They don't live inside your body. If they live inside your body, hey, great. But, uh, you know, that doesn't really happen in reality, okay? So what would some examples of this craziness be? How, do I, how many do I have? I have four. Okay, the first one. You're sitting in a restaurant, checking your phone. The more avoidant person is in a relationship. They swear they're getting out of, oh, God. Yep. Oh, I know so many people that um, have been in this. And I've been there too, people. 
yep, they're getting out of it and you wait for their text and you get the text and the excitement, anxiety take over. Will they want me or leave me? And you might not realize you're thriving in this inconsistency, by the way, but the inconsistency, like I said at the very beginning, it turns you on. Yes, you're used to it because it's familiar. Because like I said, if you have avoidant tendencies at all, it's from inconsistency. So even if it is your parent inconsistent, sorry, even if someone asks you, you would say you're just waiting for them to get it together. Like you're not going anywhere. This feels like you don't even have to really be in a relationship. And that's part of the thing that we do that are anxious avoidance. We do these half relationships so we don't really have to commit. So we don't really have to allow ourselves to be open and vulnerable. We do these half-assed things. So it gives us something to focus on. We're so, so we don't feel like totally lonely. Um, or I should say we are numbed out to the loneliness is what happens. So it's just, to me, it's just really very fascinating how attachment works, right? Okay, another example, number two. You marry several times. You keep having partners in your mind that don't measure up. Each time you end up divorcing them, it's about them. Oh, you were a victim once again. You don't take any responsibility. He or she cheated. He or she was shut down. He or she was a drug addict. You aren't taking responsibility for the fact that you chose to be this person. And you can say, well, they weren't like that to begin with. But I, I tend to disagree with that because there's always signs. Sorry, my dog is in here and I don't know what he just did. But anyways, there's always signs, guys. There's always signs. So um, anyways, you have to look at where you were. Why were you there? Why did you choose to be there? You see, these scenarios make us victimize ourselves over and over. And that's not the way to empowerment. So I'm not picking on you, by the way. I'm bringing this stuff up because your goal is empowerment. And you can't be a victim and be empowered. It doesn't work. They don't go together. So you got to be able to drop one, okay? Another one, number three, you keep stalking your ex on social media. You feel that they got away and you still want them. You believe the way you got along, the way you left, all the things that you had in common, that they were your soulmate. But it's never been the right time for some reason. It seems there's never a time without upending your whole life or their life. And eventually you create a problem you know, where you can get out of the relationship you're in, or maybe they'll get out of the relationship they're in. And your partner that you're with, you know, it's interesting because it's not like we create it all on our own. We always have a partner that's going to go along with it. So whether they know <laughs> that you are looking at your ex or not is beside the point. It's just really interesting. And I've worked with people where this has happened over and over, you know, the whole social media and there's an ex there. And that's my puppy barking in the background. So that's really cool. Um, anyways, here's the deal. You're going to sabotage things to try and have that. Or what you're going to do is just stay in a state of wanting them, right? Wanting them. What are they doing? Maybe you'll get readings and somebody, I'm talking psychic readings, and they'll say, oh my God, they're going to show up in your life and sweep you off your feet. Things that they've never done and can't do. And yet there's that fairy tale aspect to it that all of a sudden they're going to do something they've never done. So you got to look at, does that ever develop into anything beyond your avoidant fantasy? And why is it a fantasy? Why is it something you want? Okay. Number four, you literally only date people who treat you like shit. They are inconsistent or crazy. Those are your labels, not mine. And how could you ever commit to these type of people in your mind? Like you can't. That's what I'm saying. You're not really committed. You're in, in fact, all these situations, you're one foot in and one foot out because to be totally committed in any of these situations would mean you had absolutely zero self-esteem, zero self-worth, and probably 
uh, had a lack of intelligence too. And I don't, I'm not, again, putting people down. And I'm saying that because I don't want you to get caught up in what I'm, what I'm saying and personalizing it. I want you to get caught up in what I'm saying and look for, okay, yes, Tracy, yes, I've done that or I'm doing that. What can I do about it? That's what I want for you because I want everybody who's listening to have a healthy, happy relationship. So we don't really commit, but we look like we're committing. Okay. And it can look like a commitment all on the outside. And, you know, if you put all your energy in what you feel attached to, then you never have to look for healthy. So what I mean by that is not being committed all the way, but your focus is, again, on that person. I had just said how we don't then have to look for a real relationship. We can kind of stay in this one and you'll stay in that attachment hell because it feels way too scary to break free from somebody who's dysfunctional with you. And, you know, it can make you feel like you want to drink the other person in. I remember that feeling, right? Like you just had so much like attachment and uh, need and you want to devour them, right? Okay. And yeah, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's at the same time painful. And so it starts in childhood with how you developed your self-worth and how people gave you attention. And here you are with the pain, hoping what you derive from pain is going to stop being painful, right? Like if you're always in pain, how are you expecting something to all of a sudden turn into something not painful? It really doesn't work that way. So usually if it's painful, it's going to stay painful because you are not seeing how you're showing up. You don't have any control of the other person. And that's the beauty of, to me, like one of the biggest things I learned is I'm not responsible for someone else. Wow. I mean, once I raised my kids, they, uh, you know, I wasn't responsible for what they chose to do or not. And so in these examples that I've shown you, they're just the ways that we intellectually sort of twisted ourselves out of trying to be in pain as a kid. So that's a thing. Like the pain of a kid is really what we're, we're trying to go, oh gosh, you know what? I don't want to be in pain. Right. I get it. What kid wants to be in pain? No kid. So we carry this through to being adults is the point. So what's the lesson here and what can you do? Okay. We all know awareness is the place to start. Always the first step. Second step is to recognize your patterns. Look at your relationships, honestly. And if you really give them an honest appraisal, where are you committed? A hundred percent. And be honest because see, this is the thing. This is what I love. Because when you're honest and you're like, okay, I've been lying to myself, right? Because we do that. We lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves stories so we don't have to deal with something or make a change. And that's because as human beings, we, as much as we want change, we associate more with the loss than the actual change. So, you know, being a human, physiologically speaking, can be a good time. But you want to look at like these places where there's little holes in things like, oh, I'm not really 100% committed. Okay, cool. There's work I can do there then. That's why. And so most of us, we get defensive rather than honest, but being defensive doesn't help you. But when you're honest, what do you do? Where is the lack inside of you? Find it. Look for your emptiness and what you do in reaction to it. Okay, I'm looking for somebody who's eventually going to take my life and it's not going to be this whole thing that it's been most of my life, right? Because that's a thing. Oh, it's been this way most of my life. So we never, ever get to feel differently, right? We don't ever really move out of these old patterns of behavior. And that's what I want you to find by being honest with yourself. 
You want to see what happens when someone comes closer to you. Does it make you retreat? Do you feel anxious about choosing the wrong person? What's your pattern of dating? What pattern of believing how love works in relationship is it that you're operating from where you are looking for a unicorn? And what does the unicorn solve? What is that person who's not a real person, but you think is a real person? What is it that they have that nobody else does? Because one other thing I want to mention with this really quickly is that we may hear of, oh my God, my best friend, Betsy married Ralph and they have an amazing relationship. I want that. But you're equating amazing from a place of insecure attachment. And that feels different. Oh my God, my dog just farted literally in a closed up small office. Holy crap. Woo. Okay. Sorry guys. But anyways, when you look at other people's relationships and you're trying to go, okay, that's what I want. You don't, you're not in the relationship. It's your idea of it. Okay. And don't aim for that. Aim for how do I want to feel? I want to feel happy. I want to feel connected. Then work on these feelings for yourself in every choice you make. Is How am I going to feel if I make that choice? Am I going to feel good? Yes, I'll do it. Or am I sacrificing thinking I'm going to get what I want down the road? Fuck that. Don't do that. Okay. And I have programs, dudes. I have programs. And you don't have to suffer through this alone. I can give you a path. I can help you to get where you want to go because I've helped at this point. I don't know if I've helped thousands of people. I know I have through this podcast because I hear from people all the time. And it's almost eight years now that I've had this podcast, but I'm still fanning in here because this is one of those long lasting farts uh, from my dog. So anyway, (laughs) but I've helped so many people and my programs are set up. And I have coaches that work with me who have been trained by me, but also went through working with me one-on-one. And so they've dug the shit out. They're in healthy relationships. They're happy. And I'm not saying, oh my God, I'm the only answer. But let me tell you, I have your answer. It's hard work. I allude to it in these podcasts. You don't want to intellectualize what I'm saying. And if you don't know what I mean by that, then you really should look at working with me. So you can email happiness at tracycrossley.com. All right, enough. So universal truth. You have the right to continue to search for unrealistic in your life, or you can look inside yourself and deal with your emptiness, anxiety, and pain. Deal with you and this drive for unrealistic, unsustainable romances will flicker and die. It becomes boring when you realize no one is a unicorn. It's so true. Oh my God, that's what I mean. I had to mourn all that intensity. Where was I going to put that intensity? Well, the intensity went bye-bye. So, and it did because I replaced it with love for myself. That sounds so corny, but it's true. All right, I'm wrapping this up, folks. What we talked about today is the bullshit of avoidance and anxious avoidance, thinking they're honest with what they are attracted to when in reality, it's the opposite. Be honest with yourself. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. All right, three podcasts, and there were so many more. But 570, journey of attachment, breaking the toxic, toxic, anxious, avoidant relationship cycle. Number 191, journey of attachment, avoidance, get a bad rap. Number 512, journey of attachment, help, I'm dating and avoidant. And there's so many more, like I said. You can go to my website. I don't know if I mentioned this. I have a podcast page there. And I think it's tracycrossley.com backslash podcast. And there's a little search bar. And you can search, I think for all 600 and some odd, what is it, 688 episodes, you put certain keywords in and they should show up. I'm not sure though, if, um, now that I'm saying that, if all of them are there, because someone asked me the other day, 
And just FYI, if you're looking to listen to like the first 200, I don't think they have numbers. But when I started this podcast, I was on blog talk radio. And then I moved to SoundCloud. And so I think I have all of them on SoundCloud. You can go to SoundCloud. That's where I, um, that's the platform that my RSS feed goes from. If you're looking for those early episodes. Okay. <laughs> and whoa, one last thing. Yeah. My book, Overcoming Insecure Attachment. Go buy it. If you are unsure that you want to get in a program, at least start with the book, because if you do the book and you do it from an emotional perspective, it will be life changing. I can promise you that I've had enough people write to me to tell me. And plus, that's how I wrote the book was to be used in that way so that you could dig deep enough and you could resolve these issues within you. You guys, you all take care. I'll see you next time. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions about today's show, reach out to Tracy at info at tracycrossley.com. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star rating so it can be heard by more people. And to find out more about her programs, workshops, coaching, and her new book entitled Overcoming Insecure Attachment, visit tracycrossley.com.